Hello, men's volleyball enthusiasts, and welcome to a very special slow motion triple feature. That's right, a new Tom Cruise movie is out, so it's time for a slow motion triple feature, double feature, single episode, special episode extravaganza. Today we'll be discussing <laughs> 1986's Top Gun, directed by Tony Scott, and 2022's Top Gun Maverick, directed by Joseph Kosinski. And we are a little late on this recording. Uh, we've all had a lot going on in our lives, and so... Um, you know, we normally probably would have had this synced pretty close to the the release of uh, Maverick. Yeah. Um, but hey, better late than never. So uh, much like the belated sequel to 1986's Top Gun. It's very true. It took them mm-hmm. quite. Yeah. 36. Actually, yeah, I was looking at it. Top Gun came out the month before I was born and then Top Gun 2 came out. The month three, three weeks, two weeks after my my son was born. That's nuts. So the next generation of Kellers will be whenever the third Top Gun film comes out. <laughs> yep. And and Tom Cruise will only look about five years older. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yes. Uh, you you how... Kellers age terribly, by the way. That's true. I know. If you that's, look at what, Tom that's probably, then, it's like Tom a, um, it's like a, uh, oh, what the dyad in Star Wars, but that's like you, the Kellers and Tom Cruise, you're like keeping him young. But he's sucking away your youth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's all to a good cause, in my opinion. I'll take it. I, yeah. I do like the idea of maybe like a baby Mike being in Top Gun and then Mike now <laughs> being in Top Gun too. Maybe <laughs> be cool. Mike was Anthony Edwards' baby in the original yeah. Top Gun. And then maybe kind of look like or Miles. his dad. Yeah. He could be his dad now. Now he's now he's Anthony Edwards' dad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think I'm still looking pretty good. All things. No, you look great. You look great. All joking aside. Thank you. Uh, But how you guys been? It's been like three, wait, two months, two or three months since we last recorded. Um, I haven't seen, I've, I watched both of these movies for the first time on the day that Top Gun Maverick was released. And I have not seen them since. Okay. I I have not seen either since about a month ago. Cause I finally got to go to the theater uh, I get. I think it was like June. It was it was June twentieth because I had Juneteenth observed off yeah. from work, so I went to. Uh, That's great. Um, um, yeah. yeah. So it's been I, about a month, month and some change. I saw Maverick again last week. All right. So, so you may have to kind of guide us. I don't really have like notes. I just figured. I don't have. It. I've written nothing all. down. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Andrew, what was the first yeah. time you saw Top Gun? Yeah, um, I saw Top Gun. Um, my grandparents like love this movie. Like they love Top Gun, and so they had me watch it when I was like eleven or twelve. And um, I th- think for a twelve-year-old, a movie about school is not, unless it's about skipping school, is not going to be like a like it's going to really hold me. Um, but I thought it was fine. I remember, you know, like being sad about Goose dying, and it was on VHS. Um, but, like, I remember the plane stuff not making much sense. Um, and I don't think I've seen it all the way through since then until this movie, the sequel, was coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I've never been, like, a Top Gun guy. I know that it's, like, a it, like, defined a generation. Like, my dad always wore, like, leather jackets and um and aviators and he rode like 
crotch rockets and stuff, you know, when he was 19, 20 years old. Uh, and I have to imagine that has something to do with Top Gun. Um, and then getting ready for this movie, which, you know, I think we talked about Maverick on the podcast. Like, just, I think I've said, like, I don't care what the plot is. I literally just want to see that sweet, sweet plane footage. That's really all I need. And that's was true. But I did go back and watch the original. And um, I got the, I picked up the UHD version and it is gorgeous, which I just never knew because I've never, I've only seen a shitty worn out VHS copy of it and yeah. clips on TNT, you know, on a Sunday. Um, so yeah, it was really very striking. I watched that in Beverly Hills Cop 2, like back to back basically. And man, oh man, Tony Scott, he had some style for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it a lot more, um, as an adult, definitely. Um, it's not like my favorite thing in the world. It's kind of frenetic and, um, you know, the plane stuff is obviously all the aerial stuff is very hard to follow and the edit is, is kind of crazy. Um, but it's really pretty. And I think realizing that Maverick is like, not really is maybe the protagonist, but he's also the antagonist and it's really not Iceman. Um, I think that makes it more interesting um, so I just found myself much more engaged, like upon realizing that like this guy is actually not that cool. Um, and by not being cool, he becomes cool. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my history, um, that I didn't like it as a kid and I like it more now. Kit, how about you? Had you, <clears throat> I actually got you to say you hadn't seen either. No, um, well, I, <clears throat> You know, it's a Tom Cruise movie about planes that I haven't seen. And, like, I love planes and Tom Cruise. But I think, like, well, the mm -hmm. so what what made you hold off? That's yeah. So, like, the movie is really iconic. But the stuff that is shown from it is like the volleyball game. The like the corny ass music music, which, like, I love Kenny Loggins, but like. That's that. And then it's like them singing. You've lost that love and feeling and stuff. And all that stuff <laughs> just made it look kind of stupid. <laughs> I think to me, it was like never something that enticed me to watch it. Cause I'm just like, Oh, it's just like a super macho, silly, like eighties thing, which like it is that, but I agree. Like the most interesting thing, the two most interesting things about watching it are basically like exactly what Andrew said, that it's like, wow, it is so pretty, like color and lighting alone. It's just like a gorgeous movie. And yeah. I was really pleasantly surprised. Like I always thought, cause you always see like the clip of Iceman, like doing that thing with his teeth or whatever. Right. Like, Oh yeah. He does kind of like a Hannibal Lecter type thing and i'm like oh that's stupid but then you watch the movie and you're like no iceman is like really cool and nice and reasonable <laughs> like and that was such a like pleasant surprise based on my expectations for the movie that like that made me like the movie a lot more and also the fact that the movie seemed to know that like it it is remembered as this like really just like macho to the point of like homoerotic movie but it's also like criticizing that kind of like hubers and, and like macho attitude that uh maverick has with without like 
I mean, we see in the new movie, like, he's different, but he's still the same <laughs> guy. It doesn't, like, necessarily overly punish him for how he is either, but it's like there's this um, awareness that that attitude, that he needs to mature a little bit, I think. Um, and, I, yeah, so I I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and apparently, like, like I said, I didn't, I didn't grow up. Well, we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, I ended up really liking it. I watched it the day that I, like a few hours before, or maybe I finished it like an hour before we went to see the new yeah. one. So, yeah. Yeah. So the first Top Gun for me, uh, I know I at least saw parts of it on VHS uh, back like I used to go to this lady's house after school and her son had Top Gun on VHS. And so we would we at least we would watch like the highlights. Like I, re- I remember for sure watching parts of it with him. Then I think I saw the whole movie at some point, probably when I was in middle school. So like late 90s, um, again, probably on VHS. And uh, it had never been one that really like clicked with me, kind of like what Andrew was saying. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I thought it was fine. But it definitely wasn't like one of those movies that I just kind of like got really wrapped up in and like, you know, was a big fan of. Um, and then, yeah, I'm pretty big sure... with dads and uncles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's also like it was very like it was always like a movie that they would play for like 80s nights at like the movie theaters, you know, like it'd be like right. Breakfast Club and Top Gun. And it was always just like I'm not a huge Goonies fan. I'm not a huge Breakfast Club fan. I think those movies are fine, but it wasn't ever like, you know, like it was like those to me where it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, like it's, it's a decent 80s movie, but it's not my thing. Um, and then actually, yeah, I still rewatching it. Uh, I think I saw it like two or three days before I saw Maverick. Um, I appreciated it a lot more, certainly, you know, more than I ever had. Um, but I still think like, I don't know. I feel like the story, I think there's parts of it where I'm not super clear on like where the stakes are. Um, sure. so, and, and yeah. like I said, it's been about a month, so I don't know if I can really like go in too deep with it. Uh, however, like both of you have said, uh, the visuals and just like the direction, like the Tony, uh, Tony Scott's style, um, really stood out to me watching it this time, probably because it's the first time I've seen it, not on VHS. Um, and then I actually, yeah, the, the most positive thing I would say I pulled from it, uh, is the uh, the score? So not like the Kenny Loggins stuff necessarily, mm-hmm. but just like the actual like score. Um, yeah, I've been listening to that a lot. Like on it's YouTube, good just while I work and stuff. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, really it's a much good. like moodier, yeah, movie than I was expecting. Like it's a lot of just looking at pretty stuff and like yeah. it's more of a character study in a way. Like which is crazy to say because it's so like you know it is bombastic and like crazy, but a lot of the movie is just angst <laughs> yeah yeah about well, stuff that's kind of like i know that this is like we've talked about this a million times like we have with uh um what were we just saying you hadn't seen i've already pushed it out of my memory. A- andrew said nope he hasn't seen no 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 he said oh. i've never seen this and then i was like you've never seen that and he's like yeah we've talked about this a million times. thief oh thief, thief. yeah I, yeah I, I, yeah, like Lethal Weapon. We've had this conversation a bunch. It's just not a movie that like really clicks with me. That's a yeah. movie too that like when you watch the sequels, it's like like Lethal Weapon 4, I'm pretty sure was my first one. It's like fun, it's, it's a comedy, it's very yeah. kind of like broad comedy. You watch the original, it's very moody. There's yeah. like lots of like like sweat and lighting and saxophone. Um with Top Mel Gun, Gibson's it's the same like thing. 
on the verge of committing suicide for the yeah. whole movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's very different. Yeah, it's, right. yeah. So Top Gun, like weirdly, these movies that were like huge in the 80s, like at least a handful of them, kind of get processed in the pop cultural memory as way more fun than they were. Like not to say that they're not good, but just way more fun and, you know, goofy, I guess, than they were. And uh, yeah, I sure. Top Gun's kind of like that. Well, um, I think that's, yeah. I mean, I think that's through, you know, parody and I mean, I think every movie that had like I like it reminds me of, like the Matrix, you know, when that came out and people started wearing stupid sunglasses and buying like stupid yeah. cell phones. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was a thing for a while. And like that's super reductive. Like that's not what the Matrix is entirely. And the same thing with Top Gun is it's like it's not short haircuts and aviator glasses and um you know, leather jackets, although there are a lot of aviator glasses mm-hmm. in uh, Top Gun. But yeah, yeah, I, I think that's just just gets filtered through people and, yeah. you know, yeah, other, you just... other people making jokes. And yeah, like you kind of lose some of that moodiness. Sure. Like, and, you know, like Lethal Weapon, like it's it's the thing. The thing that people come back to is the Eric Clapton saxophone, you know? Yeah. So, well, there's something almost like. I mean, you're talking about how it affected your dad, who I'm guessing was like 16 or something when that movie came out. Like, yeah, he was. There's, yeah. I mean, it almost reminds me a little bit of like Rebel Without a Cause or something. Like, sure. Where it's so much of like Tom Cruise just like sweating angrily at the camera or like him riding his motorcycle or like just col- like it is capturing like a weird, weirdly a kind of like young man like energy um Mm -hmm. and kind of an examination of like ambition and ego and all this like i don't know that i really enjoyed that part of its sensibility and having actually seen the movie like we're saying that is the stuff that stands out so much more to me even then, like the planes stuff or like, you know, the volleyball game, it's like the just the intensity of the characters feelings um, and a kind of like slight, like wild, like immaturity about them. And like that's much more interesting, especially given <laughs> that what they want to achieve in terms of a plane action movie is not actually possible. Or let's say a jet action movie is not actually possible at that time. Like I think their ambition like far out, out exceeded their grasp in the case and what they, and it's still like, I still love the plane footage and you know what they were able to do. I think like goose's death is really upsetting. Like it's very, very effectively done and like brutal. Um, But, you know, the sequel, which we'll get to, is, like, they actually were able to achieve more of the action that they envisioned. And therefore, I think on the character or, like, emotional side of things, it's not bad, but it's, like, more of a, like, action movie. There's more time spent in the air because, like, they can do it. Um, And that's great. That's what I wanted. I'm with you. I'm just, like, all... I want the like oops all planes edition of like Top Gun. <laughs> and if anything, it's like one of my critiques of the movie that that it, they didn't do that. But um 
it was cool. Like in my mind, these are two extremely different movies. <laughs> like they are yeah. almost different genres of movie. They just happen to have a, the same character in the lead. I don't know. I I kind of disagree. I think I think they feel um very akin to each other. They remind me of like siblings raised in different households. That's how it feels to me. <laughs> like there's and it cuz I think I think and I think the connective tissue isn't just like story beats. I think I think there are occasional I mean there are literal like visual callbacks obviously the movies oh, start yeah. exactly the same way and there are moments where um they are using the kind of like uh the the neutral density gradient filters that, yes um tony scott's doing so there's things like that um and then also just the evolution of the character specifically you know with maverick's character which i i really thought was pretty interesting um, mm -hmm. compared to the original movie. So I don't know. I feel they feel very connected to me. Um, I was actually, I think you and I kind of talked about this when, the, when we saw the movie, um, how surprising, yes. uh, like just how much of a sequel it is. Yes. I agree um, with that. And I, and I was, I won't say disappointed because it's like, I enjoyed the movie. Like, I'm not going to really, it's a great movie. I'm not going to, any critique I offer is like, yeah, it's still like they did a great job. It's a great that's movie. That's shocking, right? Isn't that so shocking? I was shocked that I liked the actual like movie. I was not. What do you mean? Well, top again, my history with Top Gun is that this is a movie I don't like. I discovered the night before I went to see it that like, oh, I do like this movie. Um, The history of Hollywood and belated sequels ain't exactly yes. a, I think a I wasn't... you know, smooth road. I think I wasn't shocked. I think I was shocked by how, like you're saying, I was shocked by how much it's a sequel to the original Top Gun because I have no personal brand loyalty to the to Top Gun as an IP. Yeah. I have brand loyalty to Tom Cruise. And I basically, I was expecting to like the movie because I was like, it's not going to have anything to do with Top Gun. It's going to be a Mission Impossible movie called Top Gun. And I think there's an argument to be made that that is what it is in terms of it its intelligence yeah the 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 way that it approaches action filmmaking as an as an art form um and as a storytelling art form is to me very similar to mission impossible the whole the the whole opening scene which we can talk about more in depth for instance is like it's a fucking genius perfect way to open this movie and it's part of what makes me upset that they bothered to recreate the montage from the original Top Gun. Because, like, I don't give a shit about Top Gun. I'm surprised they think anyone in the theater does. But then I did talk to my dad about it, and he was like, no, people are obsessed with Top Gun. Like, yeah. I think, like, from from the perspective of somebody who, like, was seeing Top Gun in the theaters when it came out, like, apparently people do still give a flying fuck about the original Top Gun. I just think that like Tom Cruise's strength as a brand far out far exceeds that of Top Gun, and people were going to go to the theater to see that, not to see a sequel to a movie from forty years ago. 
That was my expectation. And so to me, the surprising thing was not that the movie was good or that it was so much like a Mission Impossible movie, which is all upside to me. It was how much they're like, this is the jacket from Top Gun. This is the motorcycle from Top Gun. Here's the gradient filters from Top Gun. Here's the intro and the music to Top Gun. I'm like, I don't want any of that. Fuck that shit. Just make a movie about planes. I'm fine. There's there's something... I don't. I found something. There was something cozy about it, and it wasn't for me personally because I'm with you. Like I don't give a shit. Um, although aside, the minute I got home, I ordered the exact same sunglasses. Oh my god! <laughs> and I look great in them. Uh, um, they're also playing. They're also playing scenes from multiple scenes from Top Gun. Yeah. In this yeah. Top Gun. So. <laughs> but but I think I I just feel like. In this world right now, this our cinema is being chipped away by the discourse between fans and filmmakers, and um, and uh, fan service particularly is like a real problem. Mm-hmm. And I do view those things as one hundred percent fan service, but it wasn't hordes of you know people pretending to be fans of comic books or whatever it was like the 12 dads i saw Mm -hmm. it with on a tuesday afternoon who were pumping their fists so excited to see that jacket and to see him (laughs) unveil the bike and i'm just like you know what this is a one for them situation (laughs) where i'm just like i'm fine this is okay with me this isn't this isn't uh you know a hundred unruly tween, te- you know, tweens uh, losing their <laughs> shit over, you know, the fifth iteration of Spider-Man or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. This is some, this is some, this is some dads who haven't been to the movies in 15 years, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, except maybe. to see Minions. And they get to be excited <laughs> for 45 seconds over a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> and Tom Cruise knew that. And I just, I, I'm on board. I'm okay with it. I it's, think it's yeah. a, I think it's the edit. The editor in me is like, you don't need that, and therefore you should not have it. <laughs> like, like you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, but I think it's also a a situation in which you know they know their audience. It just yeah. would mean it would also mean that the movie would open with the Mach Ten scene yeah i'm i'm in i'm into it which would be cool but maybe part of why i think that's cool is because that would make it a lot more like a mission impossible movie yeah and that's what i think every movie should be now the footage is also the aircraft carrier footage stuff is gorgeous i do like i like looking at it it's a little less uh you can tell it's a little more directed which is kind of fun uh you've got like the the aircraft carrier workers like doing like fist like pumping their fists and shit um <laughs> which i've i've is definitely a, a lot less like documentary style but it's gorgeous it's super fun to look at and um and i i mean i and probably the most egregious thing is playing danger zone but at the same yes. time like just being in the understanding that the reason tom cruise makes movies i is for the theater experience yes and being in the theater with the people who I saw that movie with, they they were so happy 
that I could not dream of taking that away from them. That's nice. I can, so, but I became retroactively well, more pissed about Danger Zone because the one scene where they play uh, The Who while they're doing aerial mm-hmm. stuff, and I'm just like, could this whole movie be basically like what IMAX movies were in the beginning where they were just documentaries of roller coasters and things? I was right. like, could the whole movie just be people flying planes to classic rock music? Like, <laughs> That would be fine. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I mean, Kit, what do you want? Do you want him to make $2 billion? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say, so what Andrew's talking about. So like like I said, I saw, I've saw i only seen Maverick once. Um, I thought Maverick was like way, like just way better than the first movie. And I liked oh, the, for first, sure. the first movie fine. Yeah, but like, I, I was really, really impressed with it. Uh, my favorite part about the movie, though, was the audience. Like I said, I saw it on like a Monday afternoon and it was a, it was a holiday. Um, yeah, I didn't realize that that many people would be off, though. And I think judging by the people's age, like a lot of those people might just have been retired or whatever. But it was a packed theater um, and they cheered for the jacket. They cheered. The for, I mean, there were just multiple moments where people were just like super excited. And then by the end of it, I, I don't know. It's like I think we've had several years of. You know, hard times for moviegoers with COVID. Mm-hmm. And then we've had like now we've had like a decade or two of hard times for moviegoers with just kind of the tweens and just like the changing marketplace and the changing types of movies that Andrew talked about, like, you know, which that's not all bad stuff. Like a lot of that's fun. And I'm really glad that kids enjoy movies too. But like, um, you know, 30, 40 years ago, all ages had movies being made for them where they could cheer. And now it's really gotten to a point where there's like, if you're not 12, you're, you're shit out of luck. Like, um, so anyhow, it was one of my favorite things with uh, Maverick oops, was like just how excited people of all different, like, you know, stripes. Like, I mean, there were, there were very old people. There were younger people. I was, I, I would say probably not a lot of people like under 20. Um, but I mean, just, I don't know. There was all types of people and everybody was like cheering and super excited by the end of it. And like, and it was just like, it was a really good story. It was extremely well, um, you know, directed and delivered and, you know, all this type like very well put together. Um, I thought that it, I, I mean, we can get into the actual like story level type of stuff, but, but yeah, seeing this with the audience was my favorite part of. I yeah, thought opening Maverick. night in Chicago and like people were into it. It didn't like hit me super hard that like oh people are loving this i mean yeah at least the specific top gun callbacks but i don't know maybe i was i got a question not paying attention well, to them and it, just before andrew goes it wasn't just the callbacks that people were mm-hmm. cheering for those were a couple of the things but then it was also just anytime there was like a triumph or and i mean people laughed really loudly like when there was a moment yeah. where you were supposed to laugh so it was just like it was mm-hmm. so fun to be with uh an audience that was like really happy to be there like just you know like i don't i don't get to do that because mm-hmm. i don't I, I miss a lot of the you know marvel stuff and all that so uh but anyways andrew was gonna say i have a question specifically about chicago movie audiences i feel like over the years we've had like a dozen conversations where i describe we see the same movie and i describe the mm-hmm. theater experience as like a very audience forward experience and i feel like chicago audiences are always just silent well am i wrong it- it's not that they were silent. I mean, it could be who you're talking to. Um, where I don't like going to the theater for the most part. Um, 
I would much rather be by myself watching a movie. Um, so I, and I have a lot of anxiety over being at the theater. So maybe to me, an enjoyable experience at the theater means I forget that I'm in a theater and I'm just watching this movie. So okay, maybe I'm enough. not super tuned in to like what an audience is doing. Although like I have been in movies where like the audience is having fun whether with like how stupid it is, like, you know, I saw the Twilights and theaters and everything or, um, you know, with how excited they are, like, you know, Cap picking up Mjolnir and stuff. Um, I don't know if that I'm super tuned in, but I do wonder, I don't often get. I was kind of expecting, for instance, more of an audience reaction for the ending of this movie. We didn't get like big cheers or like a standing o which i have seen happen in movies before yeah um it seemed like like some people wanted to clap and it didn't really take off <laughs> that was interesting. my sense yeah interesting okay okay speaking of the theater experience uh i was just while you were talking reminded that um paramount wanted to push yes. this to streaming <laughs> Yes, I would. Oh, my gosh. Could you like, imagine? Could <laughs> I think we talked about that. I can't remember if we texted or what, but just like imagine being the executive who like pitched that. And then like <laughs> Tom Cruise is probably just like got you sent out to like some remote island, yeah. some remote office of uh, Paramount in like the uh, I don't know, Virgin <laughs> Islands, Siberia or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's but. it's amazing and like it's like I, I i saw my second viewing i saw it just in standard format which still great but just like seeing it on an imax and just the how incredible and how one of a kind it was um it reminded like i was thinking about like what the streaming experience would have been like and it, i was thinking of that movie that nobody remembers um the walk the one about the the man on wire guy or, or like gravity oh, or yeah. something, you know, just one of those movies where it's like, this is a mm -hmm. jaw dropping cinema experience that is reduced to ash as soon as it leaves the theater. Um, not that I think that this movie doesn't have rewatch value, but I just feel like you just, you have to be there to me. This is like, I've said it a couple times, but to me, this is, this is like a once, once in a generation kind of thing. This is this is like this is a this is a Star Wars Blade Runner uh a Titanic event, you know, where it's so catered for the theater ex you know, going experience that I mean, I think that people will watch this movie in the future and like I think your child could one day just be like, whoa, you saw this in the theater? That must have been crazy. Yeah. Like, to me, that's what it feels like. Yeah. I mean, so I wasn't able to see it in IMAX. I don't even know if, I don't know if we have, like, true IMAX theaters in Kansas City anymore. We, we might mm -hmm. have one at the zoo, but I don't know if it's still there. Um, but yes, i you know, seen it on just a regular big screen, like, in the multiplex. Um, we don't have a, by the way, we don't have a true IMAX in, the, in Chicago either. Okay. Is, yeah, we used isn't to that have crazy? Chicago, man. That is Multiple nuts. Ones, but How does Portland is... have one and you don't? Portland's that's... got a pretty good movie scene, I feel like. Like, you guys have a lot of good little, like. That's true. Yeah. Good little we do. Um, but yeah, no, for sure. I hope it's one that, like, kind of comes back every now and then, like, I don't know, five year anniversary, that type of stuff to 
Yeah. Just, uh, yeah I feel like too. I'll probably buy it, but it would be a lot more fun to rewatch like with the sound and with the screen and all that. For sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, I yeah, was, it, I think, but my only problem with it is, and it's not a problem, but, um, or I shouldn't say my only problem, but like, yeah, I, I, it's, it's one of those movies that's like so much better than the original, but also so directly tied to the original that it feels like a, it's, it's it almost feels like a weight, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like if I, if I, if I didn't watch it for 20 years or something, it was like, you know what? I want to watch Top Gun Maverick and be like, all right, well, I got to sit through two hours of <laughs> another movie, which I liked plenty fine. Yeah. But I just know that I'm trying to get to, you know, it's like, right. a, you know, the, the chewy center basically. <laughs> it's like when I want to rewatch the last four episodes of Twin Peaks season two, I have to watch it, all of Twin Peaks season two. Right. There. <laughs> exactly. Um, I was, uh, I was, while you were talking, uh, at one point you brought up the box office. So like, I think another thing, um, the seeing this on the big screen, kind of being part of the experience and just like feeling, feeling like kind of generational, I guess. I don't know if feeling like a big deal for, uh, being able to go see it in the theater. Like, um, so it's been out for nine weeks now. Uh, it still made $10 million last weekend. It's nuts. Uh, total That's... gross. I think this, this is just domestic is 635 million. And like, <laughs> it is a sequel, but it's a sequel that came out 36 years after the first. Um, yeah. it's really like, you know, and That's like the other huge, ones, dude. there's Nope, there's Thor three or four. Uh, there's minions like five or six. And then there's where the crawdads sing. Those are the ones that came out ahead of it. But it's like I and you would be able to speak to this better than me, probably, because I know you follow it, um, the, the box yeah. office stuff. But like nine weeks and it's still in the top five. Like when was the last time that happened? It's so, so rare that I could not tell you. Okay. I mean, I, I know the last time it happened to Tom Cruise would probably be. Um, I remember Edge of Tomorrow. I remember mm-hmm. Edge of Tomorrow coming out and it like people thought it was. Because the box office is so in those first like in that first weekend really is how they project everything. Right. That they, th- I remember them thinking like everybody coming out and saying like, oh, he's got a, it's, we got a big flop on our hands, but it's actually pretty good, and um, but it had such staying power that it like made, I mean, it made a ton of money. Um, really, not okay. like this kind of money. Yeah, it ended up doing pretty well. Okay. It was a, it ended up being a success, but it was initially thought to be a flop because it didn't make you know two hundred and fifty million dollars in its first weekend like Star Wars, right? Um, so I think yeah, I think it's just there's there's so few movies with this kind of staying power. Now also he has the forty five day theater window built into his contracts too, but this is beyond that now. Like they've just yeah. mm-hmm. he that, that didn't even matter. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's such a rare thing now. And I mean, you know, I've been following I follow the box office relatively closely and it's like like Thor is falling to pieces. Um you know, I don't Just know. Just like how, a big big drop second week or It was like the biggest drop this biggest second week drop a Marvel movie has ever had. Oh, really? Okay. Do you think uh-huh. that's pandemic related or just Marvel no. exhaustion or I don't think it's exhaustion. I think they made a not super good movie. I think they made. Oh, it's I not think, good. I yeah, they feel, made. I felt like. I think it is. I think there is an element of exhaustion. Okay. I, well, that, that's so my I was, guess. To add to that, I don't follow it, so I can't speak to it. But I was going to say the multiverse 
of madness came out and uh is that what it was dr strange yeah. Dr. Yeah. strange came out yeah. yeah um i didn't hear like i so like you know i work at a library uh i work with a lot of people who are really into marvel movies and like i didn't hear anybody talk about dr strange which is really weird when a marvel movie comes out and i don't at least hear like chatter um but it made a billion dollars you know what i mean that's why i don't think there's i don't think it's exhaustion (laughs) like spider-man made billions right Mm -hmm. multiverse of madness made a billion um in the pan you know during the pandemic and um uh i think shang Shang chi was a, a a really not as big but a big hit in in you know more severe uh pandemic times mm-hmm. and i yeah i think thor just wasn't very good but um so thor has underperformed doctor strange yes I mean, it's only yeah i think yes. it, it maybe it'll total out somewhere near it but uh, right they're expecting it to fall 100 million short of thor ragnarok which is interesting because he oh, wow. should be a more I mean, I think that Chris Hemsworth and that character are a bigger box office draw than Doctor Strange. And the movie, the Thor movie yes. that immediately preceded this was extremely well received, whereas the original Doctor Strange is like kind of a meh. Um, to pe- I mean, it's fine to people. Right. It wasn't bad, but it was it's not like it's not like Thor Ragnarok in people's minds. Yeah, people um, loved that movie because it read it like redefined the character and got And kind Ragnarok's of more recent, I think, than the original Doctor Strange. Uh yeah, it was 2017 I think, and Doctor um, Strange was 2015. Yeah, yeah. So I think wow. Doctor Strange I think, is that long ago. Yeah, I think it's yeah. just ba- I think it's just poor word of mouth. Or no, not 2015. I think it was 2016 or 17. So maybe they were the same year even. Okay, because um, I saw I saw Doctor Strange the first one, and I know I think we saw Ragnarok. Is Ragnarok rock where they go into like the gladiator 26. battle in yes. space? Yeah, yes. so we saw that one. Um, Interesting. Yeah, that's that's funny though about multiverse. I didn't realize it was that big. I yeah, also it did, think it did well. Yeah, cool. I think they are taking. I'm not saying even whether this is good or bad, but like Doctor Strange, for instance, the multiverse of madness, like really is pretty dependent on seeing a Disney Plus TV show. Um, oh yeah. N- no, I don't agree with that. That's what I've heard a lot of people say and i watched wandavision and it's like i mean they tell you why her kids are gone but like you don't it's just that they are the the crossover with for instance like marvel had agents of shield and didn't Mm -hmm. do really anything with that (laughs) and now with the disney plus shows they Uh, are that's all corporate politics though that's like a completely different division it doesn't have any connection but they're but they're but the tv shows are more connected to the films now and also there are i feel like so many tv shows like i don't watch any of them but like yeah. it's like every week there's a new marvel tv show on on disney plus that gets talked it's about for like two yeah. days and then it's over um yeah. and that's that, that's that's where there i think there is exhaustion in that arena mm-hmm. but the way they're structuring it story and i haven't even seen all of it um but um the way they're kind of addressing it is that it's sort of like the tv shows have more to do with the movies than the movies have to do with the tv shows if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um like there's definitely you know connective tissue like you will you will benefit more ish if you've (laughs) seen the tv show but it's more i would say connected to every all the other movies really um that's my opinion and I think everything that you need from the TV, the fundamentals of the TV show are reiterated in the movie. Mm-hmm. Are I they just, talking about? Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. 
Well, this I was going to bring it back to Top Gun, but are, are they talking about a third Top Gun anytime soon? Or I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like I've heard that, but I feel like I've heard it in the way that you kind of hear any sequel right. um, talked about, like outside of a um, something that you know it's a guaranteed, like a given. You know, like outs- like if when they talk about sequels during press junkets, you know, for like a Marvel movie, it's like, well, we're talking about the thing that is absolutely happening. Right. Whereas I feel like th- this this more just feels like, uh, would you do another one kind of thing? Right. More just to get people excited to see this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I mean, the power lies with Tom Cruise. I don't. I don't know if he. But and I don't think he. Like, I don't think he would just make one, you know? What yeah, I mean? he'd right. need. Yeah, I agree. I think it's almost like I wonder: would there have to be another big step forward in what they could do yeah. visually and action-wise in order for him to mm-hmm. want to do it again? He's also, you know, five years older than he was when they <laughs> shot this movie, and yeah, in, that's true. In in you know senior citizen years, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's, you know, we're not really doing like an episode of the podcast like we would for a movie where we include it in a triple feature. But like, I guess that's if if anybody has would like to talk about it, it's probably worth discussing the production and the delays and sure. you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know a ton about it, but I guess if either of you have like been reading up on it or because, um, yeah, this yeah. So this this would have been filmed in like what, 17 or 18, uh, 2017, 2018. Yes, if I can tell you exactly when it was filmed. Uh, one moment. Mostly, I remember it was it was supposed to come out in 2020, and then it just kept getting pushed back. Um, I mean, that's another thing that's kind of remarkable about its success is that, I mean, I know we're in a different kind of an unprecedented era of film delays. But like a movie being delayed, pushed back multiple times often doesn't result in like good buzz and like excite, you know, it doesn't translate into huge box office. Like, yeah, that's a tough thing to deal with. But obviously it didn't. It was fine. (laughs) May 30th, May 30th, 2018 is when they started and they shot. until. So and this is this is nuts. So they they shot. May 30th, 2018 until June 19th, 2019. Oh, wow. wow. So they had a year plus production and then got delayed for three years. <laughs> Jeez, that's crazy. Yeah. It's Tom Cruise wild. has to have like the most, you know, year plus productions of any actor. Like Eyes Wide yeah. Shut. Yeah. <laughs> this Mission Impossible 7. <laughs> I know. It's it's pretty nuts, and the you know Eyes Wide Shut is one thing because that's like what a ten million dollar movie or something, right? Um, and I'm sure like you know half the actors are working for free, um, and this is just like these are hundred million dollar yeah. plus productions that one man is saying no <laughs> <laughs> to I, to I, these I, you know. These, I think these publicly traded companies. It's yeah, incredible. It's, it's it's fun to make fun of like, you know, the guy who wanted to put it on streaming. But I think yeah. credit should be given some credit should be given to Paramount for absolutely like, 
Like, I feel like more than any other studio, they really leaned into like, no, theaters will still exist. Yeah. And, you know, like they I don't I don't know. I feel like between See, Sonic oh. and Top Gun, they, they do have a streaming platform. They're like but I the just heroes mean, of the pandemic. Well, I kind of feel like, yeah, like they've come <laughs> out. I mean, obviously, Disney is still the big guy. But like Warner Brothers really faltered with like HBO Max, like they're, whatever the politics were within the company. Yeah, like, they really pissed off a lot of creative people. I don't well, know, and the Disney and Plus model didn't really work, at least if, with like Mulan and stuff. Yeah, didn't do yeah. it. Didn't do great. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about Mulan. Huh. We all do. Um, yeah. <laughs> bad, well, bad here's time. the thing. I, I think it's very nice that you guys want to. Um, you know, give props to the beautiful men and women of uh, Paramount's executive team. I mean, I'm I still f- riding high on monster trucks. So yeah, I know you are. <laughs> um, I have a feeling that it was a that they had no choice. I have a sure. feeling that I have a feeling that m- what's more likely is that Tom Cruise had an incredible amount of power uh, over them in that they actually don't have a ton of IP going strong right now. Right. Like they've got some poorly regarded Star Trek TV shows on Paramount Plus and the Sonic franchise. What else? What else do they have other than Mission Impossible? Now, technically, you need nothing more than the Sonic franchise and the Mission Agreed. Impossible franchise. Agreed. But Agreed. Uh, but no, but, yeah, but, that's true. But that's the thing. He's in the he's in the middle of finishing one and right. he's he's slated to do another one. You know, <laughs> I just have a feeling that there were um contracts to be signed for other things that it was like we had they had no i don't think they had any choice i think i think i I think at the end of the day i think uh some threats were probably made that's my guess honestly ultimate credit is surely due to cruise but i do still think like paramount has really come out of the pandemic looking like a much stronger studio than five years what's that what's who who owns the monster verse is that sony universal Universal. So you remember Mm -hmm. Universal threw Tom Cruise under the bus for the mummy for a a crime for which they will never be forgiven. (laughs) How did they do that? What do you mean? How did they do that? You don't remember that? Universal was like Tom Cruise made us make changes to the movie and that's why it's bad. That's right. And then they sank the whole MonsterVerse again. Yeah. Yeah. That's so Paramount, even if they their hand was forced, they didn't go. Tom Cruise is crazy. Which is that's a good point. One hundred percent, what Universal did. <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, because I think you know the the proof is in Top Gun Maverick, because you know um, the Mummy is a a boring script, completely uninspired. The director had no idea what he was doing. The only thing that's of any redeeming value in that movie is the the one he plane. directed. <laughs> yes, the plane, the plane <laughs> sequence, the zero G stuff, which is clearly the reason for the season for him even signing on, I think. Um, And then you watch Top Gun Maverick, which is directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who I think is fine. Like I remember uh, the, the Tron two was stylish, but kind of middling. I like oblivion, uh, his other Tom Cruise movie um, more than I think most people do. But again, it's considered to be middling. Um, he doesn't like, he's not, he's not like a super stylish or there's not a lot going on with him directorially, but this is his best movie. 
by far to the yeah. point where it's like I and 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 so and also if you think about like all of the marketing the way they've talked about the production no one is naming Joseph Kaczynski who I'm sure is a very nice man and I'm sure is talented but I've seen no. this and I've seen the movie that Joseph Kaczynski directed after this without Tom Cruise in it and it's god awful what is um, it it's called Spider Head. It's got Chris Hemsworth oh, yeah. and Miles Teller in it. And, and it was terrible. And Another terrible. horrible Netflix movie. Uh huh. So that's what I mean. Without Tom Cruise, this guy's directing Netflix movies. Well, right. and you, and, but I watch him interviewed, and I mean, I'm assuming that Tom Cruise is responsible for the fact that he directed this. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No. He and brought I watch him, in, him but I think interviewed, he... and I'm like, oh, he does seem like the right guy because when he talks about the scenes. He doesn't talk. I mean, I think you're right. There's no style particular to him. But what there is is like ability to control an extremely weird situation. Like this is unlike he's on the ground. He can't. (laughs) He's not even he's not doing anything except telling them what to do. They come back, review the footage, adjust, (laughs) like do it again. Kind of like it's such a strange production to manage. And obviously you know, with Tom Cruise's help, I'm sure he did a fantastic job. <laughs> well, I think he's, I think, well, two things. One is I think he's a very technical director. Um, like I remember Tron Legacy being like a, a big technical achievement. And I remember even like Oblivion was like the first time they had used those giant screens. Like they built the house, the like space house thing that Tom Cruise lives in, in that movie. And it's like, it's like among the clouds. And instead of doing it on green screen, they built these giant screens, which are more popular now today, um, around, and that was like a big part of the, the the selling point of the movie was that you know we've got this incredible set. Um, so I think he's like a very tech, a guy who's who's into like logistics and 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 technical stuff. Um, but also, and so I don't I don't think he wasn't like the perfect dude for the job. But also just like the way people talk about this movie, like all the talking points the actors are giving in press junkets and red carpet interviews, um, they're talking about Tom Cruise. No one's talking about Joseph Kaczynski. Nobody cares. Um, Well, one of the things to admire about him is like Macquarie, they know that they have no problem giving all the glory to Tom Cruise, it seems like. They're like, yes, I am a cog in a machine here. Yeah. And I and I think Christopher McQuarrie is like an artist and is okay. great at what say, he does. Oh, absolutely! I want to make different. sure we say that he is great yes. on his own. It's just him, separate. him combined Very with separate. Tom Cruise yeah. is yeah, right. even better. But it's like he. But I do think that if he was more of an auteur, he would not be an ideal partner for this situation. Like I think McQuarrie is a great writer, and like we watched that movie of his, and he definitely has like a flair and especially like a sense of humor. I think with the camera that I appreciate so much and is absent from a a lot of filmmakers. But if he was like Kubrick or something like this is not possible, this kind of arrangement that we have. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why Tom Cruise doesn't work with auteur directors anymore, really. Right. Well, and he did. I mean, that was his MO for a while was like, I'm going to work with every great living director. Mm-hmm. Um and he and he and he did, and he did it, it. <laughs> he did it and now he moved on but yeah. I also think it's like a testament to like this is not the kind of movie 
this won't get any Oscar nominations again, not to talk, to talk about the Oscars and make them the be all end all. But what we think of as being good classic movies is like auteur movies, movies with a specific like visual style that we can recognize. But obviously it's it's so plain between like um, Mission Impossible and Top Gun that the ability to direct stunt work um, and action, though it may be very different, is like <laughs> no easier, <laughs> you know, or, yeah. you know, less directory than, you know, making uh grand budapest hotel you know sure yeah um this is we can edit this out so the other day i uh came out to the living room and sarah was feeding victor and uh, they were watching grand budapest hotel and i was very proud (laughs) oh that's nice (laughs) yes i was like well this is because she really liked uh grand budapest and i think she liked french dispatch pretty well but she really liked uh, Grand Budapest, and so I was like, "It's a great movie. This kid's it's gonna be—he's gonna be all right. It is. Yeah, it's <laughs> a, a good one." Um, but yeah, with this production, like it—it's um—it's—it's—it's it's, it's an <clears throat> unprecedented thing, right? Like they—I mean, they—they they spent like a—it's like eleven thousand. Oh, here it is. The producers paid the Navy eleven thousand three hundred seventy-four dollars per flight hour for the F eighteen. Um, what was the and, budget on this? I don't know. That's a good question. It is 170, which right. is hefty, but very modest for a movie this size, I think. Yeah, and I would also, agree. I mean, what you guys were just talking the other day, like Minion spent like half a billion dollars on advertisements or something. Still can't. I still can't figure that one out. That seems crazy. Yeah. But yeah, 170 doesn't seem bad. Sorry, though. I didn't mean to. No, no, you're good. And then, um, well, I want to compare that um, real quick to, uh, there it is. The budget for Thor Love and Thunder is $250 million, and it looks like shit, comparatively. Yeah. So I was just, uh, oh, yeah, that's another subject, too. Yeah. But anyway. I I just saw something about, uh, it was visual effects, people complaining about Marvel. I don't know if you saw that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I definitely, yes, they should. I mean, they're, they're sucking up so much of the effects work in the industry that they definitely should be called out. But this is like an industry wide thing that's been going on for a decade. No. And I, I read through this thing and it was, it was a yeah. guy complaining about it. And I was like, it was also like the complaints. It's like, like he said, he's had coworkers like break down crying. And I was like, man, like you are like, you know, it's I appreciate that everybody does work and everybody needs their time to yeah. recover and all. But at the same time, it's like this is like the most like, you know, I don't know, first world problems, the type of thing I've read in a long time. It's um, it's I think it's it's one of the things that's like helping reduce um, mainstream cinema down to just a product, you know, is it right. They're, they're they're looking for the, the lowest bidder and the people in the United States that are trying to keep doing this work are having to underbid, you know, some dude in Poland. Right. See, and my, <laughs> I mean, my thinking, like by the end of the article, or I guess, I don't know, open letter by the end of it, I was like, uh, like, why don't we just do it with visual, like practical effects again? I'm tired of <laughs> CGI. Like if it's this hard on you guys, like, let's just, let's just figure oh, it yeah, out with for practical sure. effects. Like, <laughs> it's like, I fucking, yeah. like your work <laughs> looks terrible. And I, I know that it's because they didn't have enough time or whatever. Um, but yeah. uh yeah it's like let's just go back well to it would be nice it. i mean maybe i look i sh- 
if it is the last gasp, you know, I, I, I think technology is inescapable. It, 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 it exists. Therefore it must be used. However, there's something to be said for the fact that like a film with practical effects was just a massive box office hit. Mm Like, and you could feel it. Like that's yes. why. Absolutely. Maybe it reminded 100%. people. Like you could feel that in your bones. Absolutely. Like, Tom Cruise. Tom. You know, multiple franchises under Tom Cruise have been able to stead like consistently maintain this, um, without following a Netflix or Marvel model of putting out fifty movies a year, um, and without <laughs> well being totally committed to practical effects work and they're in the same genre like they're both action movies and yes one has like you know space wizards and stuff like i understand like marvel's gonna use cg but and to to marvel's credit also like you know i love watching that like behind the scenes of no way home a movie i hated of like tom holland jumping all over cars and stuff like oh yeah actually doing his own shit i'm like that's awesome like that's so cool um yeah. i wish I mean, there was some fun. i wish i could tell the difference between that and everything else that's happening in the movie because i can't sure. like that's the problem sure. is i can't tell when he's a real spider boy or not you know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I, like that's on like when you're a kid. I think that's why I don't really fault anybody for, uh, for for kids who really like the CGI stuff. Like when you're a kid, you don't have that uh, awareness. But as an adult, yeah, I think you have to say like part of your awareness is like, wow, look at that fucking stunt. Like that's crazy. Tom Cruise is hanging off the side of a plane or like that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, because you know it's a movie. You know they had to make it. And so part of what's fun about movies when you're an adult is the idea that somebody's actually done this or somebody designed this, somebody built this. And, and you, mm-hmm. I, you know, we can take pleasure in CGI, but then you see something like Maverick and it's like, fuck, like, it's like, like, like I said, you like feel like there, I had none of those, like, you know, there's those theaters now that have like rocking seats or yeah. like, you know, like, you know, squirts you with water or some 4D. shit. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's like, uh, I had nothing like that, but it's like, I, I was like, Oh, and I think I can't remember if I texted you this, Andrew, or, if I was talking to somebody else, but like there were, there were scenes where the plane would like turn and people in the theater, multiple people in rows ahead 100%. of me would turn their heads. <laughs> like we were all just like flying the plane. And it's like 100%. Yeah. You somehow don't get that when it's computers, something about your mind knows like, and maybe I, you can in some cases, but I just feel like with this, it just was like right in your face. Like this is why we, you know, do like, this is why we go to the movies. This is why, yeah. This is part of what's so fun about it. And so I think you know. I think it's that I do want to give a little bit of credit to also just being a compelling story with compelling characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Caring, sure, you know, sure. wanting, wanting to actually allow yourself to, you know, you know, giving yourself over to being in the the cockpit is it's 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 not something I do. I think you could do purely with visual effects. Um, right. But I think it's it's yeah, I mean the 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 things they did on this movie with with the flight footage like i don't know how you make a movie about aerial combat or even any sort of airplane from here until forever without um consulting top gun maverick but it's it's also the the crazy thing is that like when cinefix put out a really cool video about like the best uh like dog fights in movie history um 
And it's funny because from the very first plane, you know, from Wings, the first best picture, um, the earliest movies, we were making plane footage by just putting a camera in a plane and shooting planes in the air. And it looks incredible. So many of those movies through the decades um, mm -hmm. look so amazing. The problem is obviously like that was like, you know, prop <laughs> planes. It's when we, it's the, the turn to like jets that makes it so much harder. But it but yeah. it's it's very interesting that like in cinema history, going up in a plane with a camera and shooting planes, doing stuff has been like a huge like con continuous through line um and i kind of wonder it's like that had a f you know was one of the venues through which like we learned how to make movies and i'm like with this movie are people going to be able to take this and do anything else with it because like so far like the innovations made in um like, I guess it's a question. Like, the innovations made in Avatar, right? Like, Avatar sucks. But has the stuff that James Cameron developed been, like, put to use for things other than Avatar so Absolutely. far? Yes, so, like, 100%. I'm kind like of wondering. Yeah, motion right. captures everywhere. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering if, like, the same thing will happen with this movie. Will people be able to come up with, like, ways to use the like it's almost like the IMAX thing like when IMAX was invented there was nothing there weren't movies to put it with they just had to make movies that were about stuff that looked good on IMAX like yeah. you know and with this it's like okay well we're using like we're coming up with these like teeny tiny cameras and all these things that you you know can do to make it possible to capture plane footage and so we're making m movies about planes but there are there other applications I wonder beyond this that people can use this for you know, that's a very good question. I just want to say that part of while you were saying that part of me thinks that it's a it could be a Mad Max Fury Road situation. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. That is exactly <laughs> what like, I was going to say. Like how how like I, I feel like people yeah. will watch are watching this trying to figure that out right now. And they're just like, I, I don't know, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, because like. I mean, for anybody listening to this, I don't think that episode is out, but we just we just did a triple feature that included Mad Max Fury Road. And yes, I think it's just like like we talked about in that episode. It's incredible. Everybody loves it. But it's like, what's the next? <laughs> you know, like, how mm -hmm. do we do it? Well, nobody can do it because none of us are George Miller. So it's yeah. kind of like with this. It's like, well, unless we have a Tom Cruise, mm -hmm. yeah, nobody is going to do this in a movie again. Well, and it's uh, interesting how much I mean, I think. In some ways, this movie achieved what I was kind of hoping Jurassic World, if they insist on making more Jurassic Parks, what that movie would be, where the movie is essentially a metaphor for the making of the movie. <laughs> like, the storyline that Tom Cruise follows is like, we have to do this impossible thing. I'm yeah. the only person who can teach this team of youngsters to do it. And yeah. that is exactly what <laughs> how the movie was made as well. <laughs> Like there's so little line distinguishing the process of making the movie from what the movie is about. And like that is another very enjoyable piece of this without it being like meta or like winking in any way. Yeah, I See, love that's that. What's, that's what's interesting. One of the things that's interesting to me about uh, that the two two of the. Well, we'll see how Nope does at the box office, but it's, it's doing well right now. But just like two successful movies at the box office are. 
I guess Top Gun's not technically an original IP, although it's so far removed from the uh, you know the original in terms of like time that it kind of mm-hmm. feels like a, an original IP. But it's just interesting to me that these two very like tangible and handmade feeling movies that are people are responding to very positively are made by people who um, have respect for cinema as an art form more than uh, a product. Um, that they're both about making movies. <laughs> I think that's interesting. Without without cheapening, you know, the the actual story on the film. Like that's 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 the the altar they they bow to. But it's just very interesting to me that like you seem to have the frustration of being somebody who's actually good at this. Um, in this day and age, is like seeping its way into. <laughs> <laughs> into the into the movies themselves yeah well let's i feel like we should like should we just like kind of talk about um some i feel like we've talked about the movie as a whole but we haven't really talked about like specific yeah, mm-hmm. yeah let's get into the things um, um well, the, opening. About the, the, the opening <laughs> is incredible so if we're doing the opening one thing i thought of while we were talking and again this is not movie specific this is maybe a little more general but the uh jerry bruckheimer uh don, don simpson Films logo came yeah. up at the beginning of this. I, I I was looking up on Wikipedia to check this. I haven't seen that in front of any movie since Don Simpson died, no. um, and I saw that. And like, I was a person who like because these movies were so dumb in the '90s. I was kind of like, oh, I'm too good for Armageddon, or you know, I saw it and I enjoyed it. But like, you know, <laughs> I I understood at the time like, oh, Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer, that's just blockbuster shit. Kind of like we're talking about Marvel right now. Um, yeah. You know, like, oh, I'm above it, like gone in 60 seconds or whatever. Uh, however, when that came up again, like that where they're going down the road, it's like their production logo or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh, like I kind of missed that. Like, <laughs> uh, so gotcha. anyhow, but yes, for the rest of the opening, you're talking about like the the um, super speed or hypersonic. The Mach 10. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting that he gets like he seems to get to live inside of a hangar. But like, where's but he's in the. He's in the Navy. Don't they live in like army housing or something? Like why does Tom, why does Maverick get to have a trailer inside of a, I don't even know if he's still in the Navy at the beginning of the movie. I know. That's what I mean. Like why is his house where it is when he's still in the Navy? I think it's, it's a private hangar. I think our understand. I think that's his hangar, his planes. That's, that's how I take it. Okay. Um, Okay. Which like, um, obviously very expensive, but like I knew people who like shared a hangar and each had planes when I was a kid and they were like, obviously had enough money to have a plane, but like it's, I think it's, I think it's doable. Um, and I have to assume, I guess that if you're like a former pilot, you have like inside track for things like that. Um, I also would doubt that he lives in the hangar. That's my guess. No, um, he does. He's got a trailer. He's got like an airstream in the oh, hangar. Oh, okay. I didn't notice that. Okay. Yeah, he like emerged. That's that's the opening. His opening shot after the opening montage is him emerging from like a, a, a an airstream. Okay. But they don't really show it after that. Um, That'd be kind of cool uh, to live in a trailer inside of a bigger. I mean, yes, yeah, it I would be cool extremely cool. It would be very, very cool. Be probably bad air quality, but um, would be very cool. Um, But yeah, I think that the Mach 10 opening is so 
good. I love that it's this kind of little standalone adventure that just goes, now shit's about to get crazy. You see how this guy is? Shit's about to get crazy. I'm just like, I love that kind of opening to a movie. It reminded me almost of like Gogol, the the anime we (laughs) we watched. I'm just like, here's just like a one episode in this guy's life that shows you how fucking crazy he is. (laughs) Uh Um, And I, I, it was... So awesome. I love that it was like immediately about a very futuristic plane. It seems reasonable that he would basically basically be uh oh, what's his name? The like Chuck Yeager. Like Chuck that's Yeager, what yeah. that that's what he would be doing um at this point in his career. Um and it just looked great. There's only there's one part of it that I didn't love, and it's the idea that he's doing this to keep these people from losing their jobs. <laughs> Cause mm. I just don't believe he has that line where he says like, I know what happens if I don't do what happens to all of you. See, basically, I, if I don't do this, I understand that he says that. Well, I think the reason yeah. he says that is because this movie's about movies, but I think mm-hmm. that the, but I think he's including himself. I think, he, I think he, he fears more than he fears for other people's jobs. He cares about his own job. Right. Well, especially since he then goes on to destroy the plane. <laughs> right, exactly. No, that's a good point. <laughs> I don't think that there's like it doesn't seem if 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 main if keeping the integrity of like the mission, the operation like going forward um is his main priority, then I feel like continuing past Mach 10 until the plane blows up is probably not the move. Um but like that shot of uh it flying over Ed Harris and tearing the roof off of the thing. And especially if they didn't know that that would happen. At least that's what they say that they did not know that it would rip the roof off of that building. That's yeah. That's, that's the, that's the rumor. It's, um, it's in incredible. Love it. Yep. And And it's gorgeous. Very Tony Scott in spirit as well. Yeah. Yeah. But also like that, you know, that shot of the, like a lot of the a lot of that plane footage and a lot of like um you know like the stuff from like the stratosphere looking down like that's that's digitally created you know and it's great it's that's one of the most beautiful shots in the movie is like the arc of like the the kind yes. of like ignited chemtrail oh, yeah. and the mu- the music is it's beautiful wonderful. there it's great <laughs> it's, bizar- it's, like, it's like it's like how ET leaves yes <laughs> it like it, it like doesn't feel like a it's like feels so far above a Tom a Top Gun movie, figuratively and literally. Do you think that's what <laughs> happened when Tom Cruise leaves? Yes. Instead oh God. He'll just he'll just disappear yeah. into the cosmos. Yeah, he goes. I tried to like rewatch the movie like a cam, which I know, but I just like I want to re familiarize myself. I thought about and that, basically yeah. at that scene, it was making me uh, cry too much, so I had <laughs> to <yeah>. stop. <laughs> Uh, but it's great. Well, so where do we? I'll just pitch out stuff from what I remember, and we can kind of just chat it, chat it out. Sure. Uh, the uh, Jennifer Connelly, uh, like the bar, yeah. he kind of returns I, in. What do we think I, about that relationship? So I've got. I think it works. I okay. think it. I think it. I think it. It's. I think it could have easily not worked though. I think it works because of her, 
she's cool I think, and it works i think <laughs> yeah she's cool i think that i think if if you were ever on the fence about the two of them that shot of her standing by the porsche at the end of the movie is like oh yeah this was all great um and the and so, the sailing scene oh the sailing scene's great oh yeah but they, they're that. good they're they're good together i like them i have my major complaint and kit and i kind of mm-hmm. talked about this when we when the movie came out my major mm-hmm. complaint is the sex scene mm-hmm. which the sex scene in, in the quotes. original is <laughs> yeah is gorgeous and in this movie was... it is so hacked it's not a sex scene. Yeah. yeah it's he hovers over her and then it i think fades or cuts to pillow talk and it's just it's the most non-sexual thing i've ever seen i genuinely yeah. it took me a little bit to f- try to it it was so chaste that I couldn't tell if that was like a, if time had passed, like did yeah. anything happen? Like it, I to reconstruct, like what am I meant to think happened here? Like I couldn't I, do it. I feel like our reaction to it is like what audiences who saw the first jump cut ever probably reacted <laughs> like, you know, like it's just, it's so jarring. And also there's a thing going on in the movie, which, um, is unfortunate to me and it 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 it's you can see it during that scene but like tom cruise has like that old old man like sh- yeah. ropey shredded muscle just that just like muscle that's been growing over itself for decades mm-hmm. he looks great he reminds me of like but you you only see little flashes of like what his body actually looks like he seems to be hiding his chest like in the that's um, part of why it was hard to tell if they'd had sex is I couldn't tell the I clothing agree. situation of everybody. Yeah. So they they only show like they only show him putting his shirt on for like it's like a it's like a, a half of a second. It's like 12 frames. And he's kind of hunched over in a way that's like feels like he's hiding his body. And then during the um, the football game, uh, you just get these like six frame kind of like flashes of like an old man. And it's like, you know, it would be cool to see his glistening sweaty body against all these other bodies and be like, yo, you got, can you, 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 yeah, you look great at, you know, 25 or however old you're supposed to be, but like try doing this at 60. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I don't know. I think, I think that's unfortunate. Like for, for the, for a guy who is forcing himself to stay in the spotlight, who is absolutely, who who keeps making movies that seem poised to pass the baton and then having a (laughs) fundamental part of the movie be about him not passing the baton. (laughs) It is very strange to me that he is like awkwardly hiding his age, you know? Well, it goes to, I mean, it goes to a larger issue that I had with the movie that, I mean, the movie is, is about aging in a sense to the extent that it's like, how long can Maverick, a.k.a. Tom Cruise, keep doing this? You know, <laughs> like, how when, how is he going to find ways to keep doing the thing that sustains him? And I, and I did feel very acutely the threat that, like, you might be done and you never get to fly these planes again. Because that's the thing. They cost some. I mean, you can't just go fly one of these for fun, usually, unless you yeah. have, you know you're a billionaire (laughs) like it's hard and so the idea of like well once if he gets in trouble or if he has to is forced to retire like he's done with this like that was kind of like I felt that very strongly um but I think I agree with you that like in some ways the movie 
he seems to shy away a little bit from showing his age. I also had moments like where he's leaning up against the bar at, at Jennifer Connelly's place where I'm like, I just, I'm sorry. I don't believe that he looks that young. I believe it's weird to think and to propose that this movie would not allow any CGI footage of planes, but it would potentially use computers to make Tom Cruise's face appear younger. Like that feels yeah. antithetical to me, but looking at it, I'm just like, I'm not buying that this is, po <laughs> is possible. Something's happening here. Not that I'm seeing it or that it's even distracting, but I'm, I was sitting there thinking like, I don't know if I believe that that's his, that's really what his face looks like. Um, which like fair enough, but it, it also kind of, and this kind of also goes to my complaint about it being so wedded to, to the more wedded to the original Top Gun than I was expecting, that they also don't look at how the military has changed in the past, you know, 40 years. Like, obviously, there's a huge unspoken thing here, which is that everything they're trying to do with this movie would be better achieved with drones. Um, like, drone, <laughs> like, the everything they need, like, there's no reason to teach humans how to do this. And of course, I understand that for the movie to be good, they have to dispense with that. Fine. But I think it would be interesting to look at has the way that like technology has technology and just like evolving politics changed how these pilots are looked at? Like back in the day, they were hot shit. But is there something almost kind of, you know, Tom Cruise is a dinosaur, but is even the idea of like a Top Gun pilot something of the past a little bit? How are how are the like dynamics between these young people ch different now that like there are women in this in this group? Like See, there are ways. Mm -hmm. I think there is some of that. I don't think they dive super deep into it, but like, um, you know, they make it they make note that Maverick is the last person after 40 years is the last person to like shoot down more than two enemy right. aircraft and that this and Glenn Powell's character is the only person who's shot one down in that entire period yes and he is like the most arrogant he is like the absolute star pilot right because he's because he's shot down because a dogfighter uh -huh. so these got like these like these pilots I think at the beginning of this movie who are like the 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 best of the best i think are almost um like symbolic i think they're i think they are closer to drone pilots than actually and mm -hmm. maverick even says it he's like yeah they drop bombs at, on people at you know thirty thousand feet or whatever right. they're not down I, in the trenches um i think the issue is though that then the dynamics among the characters and they like the characters are almost one-to-one -one recreations of characters from the original movie or at least the way the scenes between miles teller and glenn powell are very much meant to <laughs> evoke sure. the exact same tension <laughs> that existed between maverick and iceman even though obviously yeah. it's different it's like they can't even they even have to make glenn powell end up just being a nice guy who shakes his hand at the end <laughs> even though he's much more of a dick <laughs> in the movie than like than iceman was really um and that is what, like, they have the same, just, it's the same kind of teasing, like, all of their scenes, like, at the bar, um, just, I felt like I was going back to an 80s movie, where I'm like, I don't know, I know it's the, I know it's the military, and that's still, like, a set-apart 
thing in a way like that is going to have very entrenched dynamics but i'm just willing to bet things have changed sure. <laughs> since 1986 and no, you're probably right yeah. and it would have lined up with like other themes of the movie of like aging and evolving or failing to evolve and like you know things things like that that i think thematically would have been stronger threads than or like to see which maybe you could argue that they do this do do this but like to see maverick come in and like not be good at teaching them like he tries yeah. something and it like doesn't work at all because because they lack this experience or because of how like the like it's it mostly to me seems like Maverick they're like Maverick is uh the best man for this job. He's an absolute fucking stud. And then everyone in the, there is like, mm, is he or is he just some weird old guy? And it's like, no, he is an absolute fucking stud and he destroys all of us. And of course, like, I don't mind seeing Tom Cruise do that. But I think I think, again, if it wasn't so wedded to recreating the beats of the original, that would have been something that I think would have married better with the actual like action story, which has more to do with like our planes aren't as good. We're <laughs> like, which is I think untrue as far as I know. Um, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And Maverick just like, can your, can his body continue to take this? Like, can he keep finding a place for himself in this world that's rapidly disappearing? It just, that doesn't jibe with the fact that like, like we go to the bar and we're literally doing the exact same scenes of people playing songs at the piano. It's like, you're saying mm -hmm. that everything's changing and he's not, but this all looks exactly the fucking same as it was in the last one. Yeah. I think instead of playing like uh great balls of fire, they should have been playing like paparazzi. Charlie or Charlie XCX songs or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, what should so, they have been playing? Because in the 80s, that song was from the 50s. So they should have been playing something from the 1990s. Danger Zone. Should have been playing Danger Zone. <laughs> yeah, <I think>. sure. <laughs> or Tub, Tub Thumper. Tub Thumper. Yes. Would be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was like a lot of stuff that Sorry. I thought about. No, 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 no. It was good. That was all good. But like, yeah. And I, sorry, I had some, I had some tequila because I thought this would be a, like a kind of a shooting the shit episode. And I wasn't intending to really focus on any real points. But like the thing with Tom Cruise being brought in to teach this younger crew was definitely I like there's a lot of like. There's a lot of nostalgia in this movie. There's a lot of um, generational stuff in this movie. Um, there is. I also think it's I think we should not operate with the assumption that the original Top Gun was representative of reality. I think that could be a mistake. Obviously, in some ways, that's totally for sure. It's way sure. heightened. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For but, sure. but I mean, There's... I mean, even in the sense that like that human greatness was possible and, you know, valued well, in the same way that it was in, in the movie. Like it's it yeah. was a movie. It was an 80s movie. So we you know, I think we would fall into a trap if we. Like we're like, well, in 2020 and we've even been talking about this with CGI and films and stuff in general. But like, I think it would be a mistake to. I don't know, there's something like so I loved Maverick, I loved this movie, but there was also something like. I think that I, one of the reasons I wanted to rewatch it was to like something like felt hung up in me, like. 
like something didn't quite land right. And it's like, I don't think that it's like dunking on the young generation, you know, like millennials or Gen Z or whatever. Um, It's not anything like that, but there was something like with him not letting go. I mean, like Tom Cruise goes to hit the target. (laughs) Like, um, yes, (laughs) he never. And it's like, I really like to see that. I really like to see Maverick, you know, pull another one out after all these, you know, Mm -hmm. years. That's, that's part of what's satisfying about the movie. But then like, I think I'm troubled in my general life, like just with the culture where it does not feel like that. It does not feel like millennials and Gen Z. I I always, I mean, you guys know, like we talk about, like I always worry, like as a generation that we're on the wrong track, that we're not going to accomplish anything and that we're like letting everything just kind of slide into the ocean. Um, And so it's like watching Tom, uh, watching Tom Cruise, like he does save the day. Like I have this, it, it kind of like touches this fear I have that like things were great and then it created this weak generation and that will just like, will fuck it up and like, will let it all go to waste. Like, you know, that kind of a thing. And there was a lot of that, like, even though I really enjoyed Top Gun Maverick, there was a lot of moments in this movie where I was kind of like, but like, but what if they didn't have their you know, right. older generation guy, you know, and yeah. it's like, but like, I believe that like, you know, I, I believe that there are plenty of things that Maverick could have learned from the kids as yeah. well, or that you yeah. could set up situations where they, because they're 25 and have been trained much more recently in much more recent technology. Obviously Maverick is keeping up to date if he's flying like the, you know, future planes sure. and stuff, but yeah, it would have been so easy to come up with a scenario where they had a specific set of skills <laughs> that could have helped in the situation. Like what if, you know, it's fun, whatever it's insane, but it's fun that like, you know, it's an F 14 that they find at the, <laughs> in the hangar. And it's like, Oh, right. this happens to be the plane that I, I mean, that's <laughs> crazy, but yeah. like, cool, whatever. But like, what if it was something that miles Teller knew how to do and Tom Cruise didn't <laughs> you right. know, like, Turn and like turn the tables a little bit. I think with what we know about Tom Cruise, I know why the movie didn't go in that direction. But I do wonder if maybe some element of that could have been maybe a more uh, holistic. uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know, thematically more uh, satisfying for and maybe helped because at the end of this movie, if part of the question is like, can Maverick move on? Can he move forward? Like, is that what's happening? Like, he has a girlfriend now, but he's not. Like he didn't pass the baton. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Again. Yeah. Like I don't know. I mean, I have faith that he's gonna go be happy with Penny and everything, but like, you know, I guess there's but, some there's somebody who's like, um, is he gonna be a teacher now, an instructor? Right. I don't know. No, because he but failed see, that the, 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 the first one. He failed mm-hmm. to do that. And they make a point of that. And yeah. they, they this movie actually shows like the first movie does not show what happens after Top Gun. But this one shows what happens after the events of this movie. And I feel like that's the that's the true ending. I mean that's it. That's it's he that doesn't, he I don't I don't even know that he, that he has a girlfriend. That's yeah. The, yeah. he has a he has a he has a family. That's what it is. Yeah. He has a family. He was a alo- he's I mean think about the way that those final shots mirror the opening of the movie is he's mm-hmm. living by himself in a trailer and at the end of the movie he has two kids and a wife. Yeah. And air and an airplane. Mm-hmm. 
So who could ask for anything more? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I guess that's what I mean is that on the story level in the movie, the kind of dread, like you don't think about it cause you're having a good time cause everything seems fine and settled for Tom. But like the kind of dread that lingers in me is like, but what if Tom Cruise isn't here anymore? And then like none of these kids. Cause that's going to be the, the case shot. someday. It's right. very much parallels our fear about film. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that's the thing. It's like, it works on the story level. I have this residual, this, this feels like a loose end. It also works on the, if this film is uh, an analogy for filmmaking and the film industry, it also works as kind of as to the extent that this movie speaks for like generational politics and generational kind of stuff. Like, so I'm just like, in a way it's like, well, the movie ends, everything seems very nice and happy, but like something about it. And I, and I really, I was very satisfied with the film and everything, but I think if there was anything that like nagged at me afterwards, it's that it does kind of play on this fear I have that like, we're just a bunch of um, soft children who are like, you know, 40. <laughs> I will plot. say, I will say that I'll say a, 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 a point uh, against you and a point for you. A point mm. against you would be that every single generation says that about the preceding or the True, preceding sure. generation. So yeah. that's, you're, you're just, you're saying exactly what your parents and grandparents and their parents said. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the world hasn't, yet fallen into the ocean however <laughs> it does seem like we may be getting a little closer with every generation yeah. and i was i was i was watching uh you know i was thinking about this movie and then looking at um you know there's a movie coming out in a few weeks with brad pitt uh bullet train like action yeah bullet i'm train. excited yeah me too it looks great and the trailer also, was awesome yeah and he's all, but I, what I'm saying is that he's also a guy who's pushing 60 and it's mm -hmm. like, you've got, and you know, Harrison Ford is playing Indiana Jones again next year. He is 80 years old. Um, oh my God. They're I not, said that to Lee like yesterday. I was like, are we, yeah. are there any young people who can carry a movie? I don't think so. I think that <laughs> and right now I don't think so. And that's, that's that. I, so that feeds into, I think that fear. Is yeah. that we ha we have not started really replacing? We've replaced movie stars, which I think the star system is plenty flawed. Um, but we've replaced them with characters. Yeah, and that's that is pretty scary. Well, and that's I what I was going to say. So is I think part of the, I think part of the issue, is that if the IP is the strongest draw to a film, like when Indiana Jones came out. Indiana Jones mattered because Harrison Ford was playing him. Right. And Harrison Ford could become Indiana Jones. But if you're starting with like, you know, RDJ is playing Iron Man. I mean, very few people who have starred in Marvel movies have been able to translate that outside of Marvel movies. Like including RDJ. RDJ hasn't done it. Chris Hemsworth hasn't done it. He kind of had by doing smaller movies. Hemsworth has done it arguably better than anybody else, and still he's more associated with Thor. But he's only right. thirty-eight. I think Chris. I think Chris Evans is kind of. I mean, he did knives really. out. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of Tom Holland hasn't hasn't done it yet, and he has like a massive Q rating, um, and mm -hmm. he's just jumping to different IPs for the you know for his most visible projects. So mm -hmm. like, I think it's because. They're so associated, like, 
the IP is stronger than whatever like character story or charisma the actor has. Like, I think if we get into a system where someone can like be in something original and blow everybody away on the strength of like their talent and like charisma, um, then we could have it again, but we're just not really providing vehicles for that you know, right now. Like think, Nope is one such vehicle potentially, but yeah, I think Robert Pattinson is the only, yeah, I think you're right. Actor yeah. that comes to mind. And I think you I guys think would right. be able to speak better than I could. He, but he's also he not Harrison Ford or something. No, not That's at all. True and he, and I think yeah. But I was gonna say like he was just in Batman. Did he? Mm-hmm. Was it Robert Pattinson as Batman or was one hundred percent? Okay, yeah. I would say one hundred percent. It was an extremely Robert Pattinson-y take on okay. that yeah. character. And I and don't I, and think I, it will prevent him from going back to doing a David Cronenberg no. movie if he feels like it. No, I have no, I have no fear for Robert Pattinson. His next movie is Bong Joon Ho's next movie, so I mean, oh really? <laughs> yeah, so he's nice. going right, he's going well, right. Well, same for Christian Bale. Like Christian Bale is a yeah. pretty big movie star. He played Batman. It didn't stop him. I mean, same with Joaquin Phoenix. I don't think playing Joker, but part of that is that they had already established something yeah. before then. Sure. Chris Hemsworth did Star Trek and then Thor. Thor, yeah. Um, he was also like 23, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. Something else is like, I think that this is maybe 10 or 20 years from now, this thing that we're talking about, like as a country right now, we're dealing with like, and, and this is both parties. This is no knock on any spe- uh, specific politician, but like we're dealing with a situation where neither party wants to put anybody under 80 on the ticket for president. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like we're all having this real problem. And I think as the boomers kind of like age out, like Gen X is famously sort of like the like slacker guys and like maybe nobody mm-hmm. wants to like take the reins or something. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Anyways, so yeah, I wonder if like in a way Top Gun will be looked at as a cultural relic representative of this, whatever this is, this kind of like clinging desperately to, uh, I don't know, older generation type of stuff or if uh or i don't know i mean i think that gen z just based on like anecdotal observation is a lot more willing to jump into things than yeah gen x or millennials were like yeah like that in terms uh, of just like i'm 16 i'm gonna guess like just today at the museum we had we had like a junior in high school who probably just by guessing was able to like contact like the president of like someone whose email address is not public um, and complain air like a specific, a very specific and in my opinion, relevant grievance, like just things that, you know, are pretty, uh, I guess you could describe as like precocious Mm -hmm. that they're like willing to, jump into and like speak their mind about um or yeah. get involved in in a way that I think I wouldn't necessarily have been at that age. Um yeah. My concern with Gen Z is that they all did that haircut that was like the same <laughs> size and the curly tops. It just doesn't say like leadership to me. So 
stuff. But, I don't <laughs> but know, that's the thing. Know? Leadership See, is going to look different. That's what's if you want right. President TikTok, <laughs> like that's they what they're going to be like. You know, it's either Biden or guy with that haircut. <laughs> so <laughs> or gas. Top, top Gun Three <laughs> will be somebody with that haircut. We'll say. Yeah. That. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, good. One, one of guess. one of the one of the Paul brothers will be in the next Top Gun. Oh, good yeah. lord! <laughs> See, here's 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 the thing. They're even too old than what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. Totally. But um, you know, it, it, I, we. This reminds me of something that my, uh, uh, a conversation I had with my grandmother, fairly recently. <laughs> which we were talking about tattoos and she's just like, you know, when I see a tattoo, you know, just the same thing that all old people say, just like, who's going to hire that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, I'm concerned about them kind of thing. And it's like, well, here's the thing. You're looking at it from the perspective of somebody who isn't, uh, who didn't see a lot of that stuff. And now everybody's got tattoos. Yeah, so you used to not be gonna... able to have a beard. I know. Like exactly. in our lifetime, you couldn't have a beard <laughs> at work. And it's like yeah. looking at it now, it's like, why would a beard be a sign of like, you know, from a lot like versus in like the 1910s when like everybody had a beard or you weren't a man right. yet? Like it's just these things change. <laughs> all, all that to say that is that the things that, you know, we kind of look around at and it's just like, how the fuck is this? Are, are these kids gonna survive and it's like well they're all just they're as soon as we're dead they're just gonna be looking at the same shit that they've always been looking at yeah and it's all gonna be fine i think it'll work itself out but yeah i think it, it, there's at least that kind of anxiety that was an yeah. element of this film that i haven't really seen i've read a, i like, think a it's a really interesting point i think that would be a very interesting like basis for a review of this movie and like yeah. especially the angle of like it's a movie about movies like and i think and i think that is part of where it's part of why I take issue with them paying any fealty to the original Top Gun at all, because I feel like those moments are the are the moments to me that get in the way of a more complex and relevant story that I think Tom Cruise is totally capable of telling personally, like based on Mission Impossible, we're like, I guess you can make the same complaint about Mission Impossible, like what happens when Ethan's not around anymore. But it does feel like there's the stories are more sort of cohesively about that and also consistently call back to the need for him to like have a team um, and all, you know, all of these other elements, they bring in new people like all the time. Um, he, he, there are certainly things that he cannot accomplish alone. Not, I don't think, I think it would be fair to say that pretty much every single thing that happens in the mission impossible movies, at least in the last like since mission impossible three are things that he could not have done actually could not have done by himself um it's true and to me that there's an aspect of that that is like inspiring and guards against the idea a more boring idea to me which is that ethan is just like super powered and he can like do anything even though he kind of can this movie could have had a similar kind of safeguard against literally just being about this one guy maverick if it hadn't been so committed to like reproducing dynamics of the first movie and i don't mean to say that like those moments don't like overwhelm the experience like it's still the fun as hell movie and i loved it um but i think that's sort of behind what disappointed me is it's like because there are moments where i'm like they're really getting at like this character 
in a complex and interesting way that isn't just exactly the same as the first movie. And then there's like another, you know, beach sports scene (laughs) where I'm like, but why? (laughs) Like, You know, other than that, it's iconic. It's like, okay, well, then I'll just watch the one from the first movie, you know, especially if you're not going to show me like sweaty old man bod. Come on. I agree. (laughs) I fully agree. Okay, well, we've been going for about, I don't know, about two hours. Do we have any other things that uh, pressing on us that that we definitely want to mention? I mean, I'm I've been debating whether to bring up my number one question about this film. Um, This this was the last movie that my dad and I talked about. And I brought this issue up with him as I had brought it up with Andrew. And my dad thought I was insane. Um, and I thought and if so, one man and, and so would understand, I. <laughs> yeah, I thought if one man would understand what I was saying, it would be him. And he was like, he understood. He was like, you're crazy. Um, let's see if Mike thinks I'm crazy. So, and so in the movie, they do an, um, an amazing job of narrowing the, like making you understand it's focused on one extremely clear problem that they repeat multiple times and take you through multiple simulations of them trying to do it. It is a very tightly plotted movie in that sense that it is very, very focused on one mission and showing you how they do that, which I think is is so awesome. Like uh-huh. it's it's a really cool way to like exploit the most out of, I think, the plain action to s- try to set it as clearly as possible around this one thing. So. Yeah. When the pilots are running these simulations, my theory is that the landscape that we are shown through the windows of their plane cannot actually be there. It must be in the minds of the pilots because they are flying the exact flight path that they will fly in unspecified country that's now, clearly Now, do they Iran. say that? Do they say that in the movie? Yes. That this, that this, this canyon that you are flying in is an exact match geogra- geologically. No, they you know? don't say that. That's my issue. See, I think, no, I think so. it's the, just a similar land, piece of land. No, but they do them. say, they do say that the flight path is the exact, that they're, that they, what they they're do. doing they, to the okay. second, to the millisecond okay. Okay. At least that was my understanding. It seems like it was Mike's understanding that what they're flying is a perfect recreation in terms of what they are flying, not necessarily the landscape, but what they are flying. They show it on the computer screen. It's the whole point of what Tom Cruise goes out and does when he comes back and he's like, look, it is fucking possible, is that he's doing exactly the mission that they need to do. Yes. Here, so here's. Before go ahead, Mike. Andrew says anything. I think the way I understood it was that they have like on their little computer thing where they've got the line and they've got to follow that path. Yes. That's the path of like the, the canyons that they're going to have to go through. Yes. They're flying. I, it looked like California. They're flying, yes. you know, in there, but it's like, they're not actually going through all of these canyons. They are like following the line on their, whatever that would be their monitor. Um, but yet there are scenes where they are flying through canyons. Yeah, that is true. There's and a little it's not, bit of having it both ways. That's what I'm saying. Um, to me, like yeah. there are scenes where like, for instance, 
they're flying through a canyon and like Miles Teller gets too close to a rock and he clips his wing and he's like, oh, I blew it. I'm out. But he didn't actually crash his plane, obviously. So there wasn't really a rock there. And yet when he's flying, he's flying through the walls of a canyon and he's making the turns in this. So it's like either there's an exact replica of the landscape (laughs) in Iran. No, you're both wrong. That's not it's no. It's what? not the ex- it's it's not the exact flight path. It just isn't. And the reason I know okay. that is because is because of the bridge. There's a bridge in the flight path they go to at the end. So the, the There's the, a bridge I... in there's a bridge in the uh California scenes as well. I have no. to watch it again. No, I guess. No, there isn't. I don't think it's the same bridge, but I think there's a bridge. No, there's no bridge. So I don't no. remember anything I where just there's... saw this movie last week. There's no fucking bridge. But then that's <laughs> what I'm saying then. When no, they're two different spaces. The point of the ca- the point of using a canyon that is somewhat similar to where they're going to be flying is so that they can learn how to fly in this situation. It isn't so they can learn the exact flight time. They but need, then why are they, they why are they challenging them to fly through that canyon in a certain to a certain time and saying if you don't it, do it in this time you fail? Because it is relative to the thing they're going to be flying through. Not because it is the exact same thing. It's because they have they have this amount of time to fly this distance. Here is a canyon that roughly represents the situation that you are going to be in. And not even roughly, like close. We'll say it's close. And we'll also give them, you know, a little bit of the movie magic uh credit because it's it's clearly it's 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 a function of, you know, it's it's convenient, right? It is convenient. But there's no way that it's not there. Because you have to have those stakes throughout the movie. Also, if 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 that canyon isn't there, then why is the why don't they have a version of the mountain that they fly up later in the desert? I have the same question, but I'm saying I think that they I think that running the (laughs) simu running through a different canyon is antithetical to what they tell us in the movie, and also not good training for this mission. Because flying through a different canyon does not help you fly through a different specific canyon and in fact might hurt no, you. It, it, no, I just, well, okay, sure. But I also think that it is a type of flying that they are learning. It is not the exact down to the micro movement flight path. It is the type of flying. They, they clearly recognize that these ace pilots are used to flying way way above the clouds Mm -hmm. they don't go they don't go below the the hard deck they talk about the hard deck a bunch they don't go below below the the hard deck and so it is about learning how to fly in terrain it is not about learning how to fly the literal (laughs) exact flight path i mean that is that is a reasonable explanation I'm not convinced that that's what the movie. I'm not See, convinced that that's what had... the movie makes it thinks it's doing or makes clear. There is no way I believe that they would not have established some sort something in the language, whether it be a a brief moment where somebody like closes their eyes and opens them again, and there's a canyon ahead of them, right. or it well, fades in I mean, or something. I, what I don't was believe... a, what was this director's like breakthrough movie? Tron. Yes. <laughs> And I was like, maybe there should be some kind of Tron-like effect to show that this isn't actually (laughs) (laughs) the terrain that's there. Because I swear to God, sometimes when they are flying over the mountain in the, like, let's call them California scenes, there's land beneath them. Uh Whereas I think when Tom Cruise does it, he's just, like, in the air replicating the movement. (laughs) See, that's what I thought it all was. But you're right that they are kind of going through, like, a valley. 
but I guess I just I don't remember anything specific where it was like they were going straight through a canyon and they had to turn just so right. So I like can I I I think the geography of this is super well laid out. They have a they have a twisty canyon, then they have a long stretch of desert like a right. salt flat sort of thing, uh-huh. and then and then um and which those distances are programmed programmed in the computer. So when to start in the canyon, like the distances are what is. Mm-hmm. The distance and the speed is what right. is is what is programmed, and they've got like the the target, like what the target will look right. like, but that is all like on a salt flat situation. Like I yes. think the, the the they I think they go out of their way to show that it's real by showing how it's different. It's a completely different <laughs> setting. That yes. That they are using that has some similar properties that they are using for trading purposes. I'll just say it's not clear to me. I agree. I mean, I know that what Tom Cruise is doing is in like a ghost locate. Like there's nothing. None of the the obstacles he's supposedly avoiding are actually there when he's flying. But I don't think that the can the canyon's role in that training or what the canyon is or why they're doing it is is established. Certainly not to the degree that like the fact that they're practicing in on a, a certain flight path on a salt flat is established. Okay. okay. That, that I, that I think we're saying the same thing now. I just want to, cl- I just want to make sure we all agree. There is a Canyon. I think California. I can be moved to agree that the most reasonable <laughs> explanation is that there is a Canyon. I don't think the movie makes this clear is, whether is there big. is or is not a Canyon. Okay. Well, maybe in the next episode we can move yeah. further into it. That I mean, trust yeah. it's the first question I'll ask Tom Cruise if I if I ever meet him is yeah. was I mean, that I feel canyon like, is really there? there? If I watch it again with this in mind, I could probably figure it out. Or Kit could be right. There could be some kind of uh, an issue because it could have also just from a from a visual perspective, <laughs> the points where they are filming in a salt flat. Like, I wonder, would it be interesting if you were like seeing a snowy mountain so that the op- so that it appeared that the obstacle, you know, like to make the obstacles more present. Um, meaning the same logic that leads them to film, meaning the filmmaking reason that they're filming in a canyon is so that you can see the danger of how close they are to stuff. And it look, you know, you can yeah. feel how dangerous it is. And you could achieve a, simi- a similar feeling by, you know, somehow illustrating that when they are merely flying a flight path that doesn't actually have any of these obstacles, you could make it feel as though those obstacles really are there through, you know, imaginative filmmaking. I'm not saying that they definitely should have done that. I'm saying that it it, it was, a, you know, from the director of Tron, a possibility, um, especially especially given that that is how people train for everything now is in simulate in flight simulators and they yeah, wouldn't okay. be doing any of this shit with you know multi-million dollar planes yeah imagine if they'd had daft punk soundtrack this one that'd be pretty cool yeah that would have been great um i thought the sounds like you cool. don't think i'm insane though oh no no i'm, okay. I'm similarly confused <laughs> but it's been a month since i've seen it so i'd have to watch it again and because i feel like i'm not gonna like put my foot down on this like it'd be like, well, no, this is definitely what it was because it's like I just don't remember specifically. But, um, but, uh, but no, but I was with regard to the kind of the final run. Uh, I thought it was really cool. And, it's great. Uh, it's... I thought it did stretch credibility a bit 
kind of the whole thing with him and Miles at like oh, the, for the sure. other airbase and stuff. It However, firmly becomes was, a Mission Impossible movie at that point. Yeah, I think it's but, I think it's the ending of Jaws. I think by the time you shoot the the um you know the propane tank and it explodes, a thing that's impossible, you've got the audience. I don't think yeah. anybody gives a shit. That's true. I was I was like I was fine with it. I was a little bit like oh, okay. I guess I thought this would be over. I th- yeah no. I literally that. thought oh I thought this movie was ending. Yeah. And then I was and then it kept going and I got for a few moments I'm worried that it's ke- it's going to keep going cuz I was like right. I've had such a good time and now they're going to make me stay and what if I stop having I a good time? I had the exact same feeling. <laughs> and then I never stopped having a good time. Yeah. Well good. So they same here. defied defied expectations again. Thank you, Mr. Cruz. But yeah, okay. Well, I guess uh we we hit the 2-hour mark. Is there any um Shall we just say see you next time? I think the next triple feature that will be posted is one we've already recorded. Uh, I think it's yep. my anime triple feature. Um, yep. So join us next time for, I think it's Golgo 13, which we already referenced in this episode. So that's a good little taste of things mm-hmm. to come for the listeners. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, everybody have a good night. <laughs>